Today's episode of The Throwback is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to throwback.robinhood.com. That's throwback.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Please insert additional coin. You honor me with your presence, Grizzly D. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Rat Hitler. Usually stronger than the average, and has a friendly attitude. Is uh, slow back. We will not back down. Championship Sunday is set. Titans, Chiefs, Packers, 49ers. Welcome to the throwback. Your host Chris Meany, joined by Brad Ziegler. Jake Seeley is not with us today. In fact, he's not with us all week, so it's going to be a fantastic show. <laughs> Stick around <laughs> and, and listen. Uh, jokes aside, he is in Vegas this week. The FSGA Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, the awards happening in Las Vegas this weekend. Jake Seeley is up for a couple, so hopefully he comes back with some hardware. Uh, and I'm also up for one as well, but I'm sticking back here uh, north of the border to hang out with my buddy Brad Ziggler, who you can follow on Twitter, at Brad Ziggler, myself, at Chris Meany. If you're listening on the Freeverse, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. Lots of greatness over at the Athletic Rates and Barrels. Uh, we're just days away, really. It feels like we're just days away from pitchers and catchers, baseball season ramping up reading this morning potentially Nolan Arenado could be dealt you know Saris and Derek Van Riper taking care of you in rates and barrels um, Miles Madness there's a, a college basketball show um, Miles Moore Madness in fact over at The Athletic so if you don't have a subscription you can head on over to theathletic.com slash throwback we'll get you 40% off Brad what's up man I, I went a minute and I didn't even get to talk to you about your Chiefs yet Woo, oh man, my good. gosh I just you, want to know you talk the, about all the amazing stuff at the yeah. at the athletic and let's talk about amazing for a it's, second it's a good segue right amazing <laughs> amazing and let's be honest a little bit more amazing I just want to know your the emotions that you went through yesterday with that football game uh, so frustrating because they and Andy Reid said it after the game like that was not this team they were making it was just drop pass block punt drop pass yeah. muff a punt like could could it, it couldn't have gone worse like you and not only that but like the Texans first touchdown was on a completely blown coverage where they just left Kenny right. Stills or whoever yep, available yep. for the like it was it was like who is this team that we're watching and then it was I don't know what happened you know it, it, it's I, I honestly think the biggest moment everybody talked about the you know the the stop on the fake punt um the big kickoff return by McCole Hardman was big to get kind of give him a little spark um, there, you know, lots of different things, but I think, I honestly think the biggest thing was when it was, it was fourth and one 
and the Texans had the, the players on the field to go for it, and they ended up calling a timeout because they weren't set, and then they decided to kick a field goal after the timeout, and it made it 24 to, to nothing instead of trying to kind of step on the throat. It was like, you know, you know, they had the Chiefs on their heels. The, the, every, all the momentum was their direction. They decided to kick that field goal. And after that, you know, if the Chiefs would have stopped them on fourth and one, it might have been a big play. But it, then McCole Hardman got that big return. They scored to a touchdown two plays later. Then they stopped the fake punt. They scored a touchdown like three plays later. Then, you know, then they get the, the, fumble on the kickoff return and score a touchdown three plays later. And it was just, it happened so fast that it was like, we've seen this team score that fast before, but not in that situation, not where they were down by a lot of points, not where, you know, it's a playoff game at home and everybody's like, Oh, they're choking under the pressure. It was, you know, when they've done runs like that before, it was always in a game where they were already ahead by a score, maybe down by three when it happened and they just buried a team. Never like that. It was, it was just, just crazy, you know. Like it, it, I was having some fun with Andy Holloway on Twitter from the Fancy Footballers, and um, he was just saying, like, you know, I, I want to know your emotions right now. Are you dead yet, or, or are you still alive? I think he said, "Are you still alive?" And I just wrote him back and said, "No." Like, I, like this is brutal. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they scored a touchdown, and I, I, I sent a tweet out about like a kind of like a pulsing heartbeat, and he he responded back and had like a zombie waking up out of a coffin. You know, just kind of like, oh, they're you know. There's a little life. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, by halftime they were winning, which was just just crazy. It's so crazy. And I think a lot of people know watching football, and obviously you know, and, and Jake knows myself and a lot of listeners, you know, on this show know how explosive this Chiefs offense is. I mean, when you compare it to other sports, a lot of people want to talk about the Golden State Warriors and how they can just strike. But this is this has never happened before. I mean, they're the first team in NFL postseason history to win a game by 20 or more points after trailing by 20 or more points. They're the first team in NFL history to trail by 24 points in the first half and still lead at halftime. Their 24-point comeback, the fourth largest deficit overcome in postseason history. It was crazy, man. And I agree with you. I thought that that was the turning point. Not going for it. Not the fake. I didn't think that that was the turning point. I was actually fine with that call. It was a one-on-one play. I think in hindsight, maybe it's the wrong call, but it was a one-on-one play. Just make a play. And I, yeah. I forget who the chief was, but he made a great tackle on that. Yeah. Daniel Sorensen. Yeah. Yep. It was a great, it was, that was a great play and a great tackle, but I still, I'm okay with that call. It's just, it's a little puzzling that they would do that and not go for it on fourth and one on the series before. Like that was confusing. And you're right. Bill O'Brien, it looked like he wanted to go for it. And then I don't know, like I'm, I was still trying to dig in to find out what happened and try to hear his thought process with why he didn't go for it on fourth and one, because didn't you notice like he was shaking his head the whole time after that timeout, he's shaking his head. It's almost like, and they, Tony Romo and them kept saying that they didn't have the personnel. Like maybe they didn't have the right personnel in there that somebody maybe was hurt on the offensive line and they couldn't play, call the play that they wanted to. But I thought to me that that was the biggest turning point. And then I hear after the game that Bill O'Brien had said he didn't want to punt ever. Like, he yeah. knew that the yeah. Chiefs were probably going to score 50 points, which they did, and that he wasn't going to punt once in that game. Uh, so, very confusing. And at that point, I, I didn't have a great betting day. I, I was with dogs all over the port, <laughs> all over the place. But at that point, 
I saw the Chiefs at plus 280 down 24 nothing. I thought to myself, this doesn't even seem right. Like, that's not even right. right yeah, on. Like, but I'll still hammer it. <laughs> I'll still hammer it because right. I'll get it either way because I was on the Texans to cl- cover the plus 10. And then I was like, well, I'll do it either way. If, if I don't get the 10, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably get the 10, but the Chiefs come back and win. It's amazing that people who backed the Texans yesterday didn't get that cover that the Chiefs just flat out um, won amazingly that they covered. But I, to me, I thought that that was a turning point. And if I was a Texans fan, I'd be a little ticked off today. Yeah, and that's – I mean, you got to – it was it was mentioned on Twitter by a couple people, but you got to think that there might be some jobs on the line in Houston after that. Like Romeo Cornell, for oh, one, yeah, like gotta be the, there was no answer. And and Cornell, you know, he's a former Chiefs head coach. Like I love the guy, but it I, I feel bad, but he like he had no answer. They couldn't even slow oh. them down for a little bit. It was seven straight possessions with a touchdown. And granted, some of them were very short fields, but some of them were not. The one right before half, they had to go ninety yards in two minutes and 40 seconds or something. And they did it. And, you know, that was the play where Mahomes drug his foot to stay behind the line of scrimmage. That's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's vintage, man. I've never seen anything like that before. You see the toe drag, toe drag swag all the time, but for a quarterback and he knew yeah, where it's, the line it's was. Just in, yeah. It's just instinct. Like he, yeah. that's not something you teach. That's not something, you know, like you even practice. It's just, it's just an idea of like, I've got to, I know I'm close here. So I'm going to keep something as far back as I can get it while still making the throw. And, you know, him and Kelsey were on the same page all day because Kelsey, there were a lot of times where he was initially covered and then he would just adjust this route. And as soon as he made the adjustment, Mahomes fired the ball. It was like he was just waiting, like, dude, cut back a little bit the other way. And yeah. and it happened all day. And, you know, 10 catches later and and not just the 10 catches for 134 yards and three touchdowns. He also drew three pass interference calls that were way downfield. And like big, big plays. One of them was right after that, that fake punt stop, um, that got him down inside the 10 for a first and goal. And it was just Kelsey dominated. If you're going to play man to man defense and not double team him, then you've got no shot to stop him. Well, they just had no answer at, at times that they had definitely did not have an answer for Travis Kelsey. You're right. It was all Travis Kelsey. And even like he wasn't a hundred percent either. Right. There was a point I thought maybe Andy Reid was just going to shut him down in the second half and be like, no, we got this. And then there was that one drive where it was all Kelsey and everyone was on him and he was still just dragging everybody for the first down. But <laughs> they, you're right. They had no answer because even when they double teamed him, Brad, they double teamed him and Tyreek. It, they still just didn't have an answer, whether it was Damian Williams out of the ba- Williams out of the backfield or it was Sammy had, I don't know, he only had two targets and two catches, but he still had some two big plays there that ex- extended. Yeah. Right. And he had a, a run, like a 15 yard run he or something. He did have there. a run. Yeah. They, yeah. So, as soon as Hardman returned that, I said, uh oh. Yeah. There wasn't a point, honestly, for me. And I know there was a lot of rumbling on Twitter. And I know you saw it as well that this game was over. And it's easy to say at 24 nothing, but th- again, this is a Chiefs team that's just built differently. This may be the most explosive team we've ever seen on offense. And we, it, it may be. Honestly. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was, you know, a second half 24 nothing deficit or, you know, late in the third quarter or something. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they still had a lot of time left. And it's for this team to not put up 24 points in a game would be insane. Right. Um, they, they just, they, they basically have done it all year. And, but to go on a 51 to seven run, like, I mean, you, you could, there's no way you would predict that, especially in the playoffs. Like most playoff games are low scoring. They're kind of defensive struggles. You worry about the clock a little more. And I will say this, Andy Reid in the past, when they got up in a scenario like that, where they've come back, they get up, they get the ball back with the lead. A lot of times in the past, they will like run, run, run and start playing really conservative. And the, they had the, you know, they scored the touchdown 
um, in the second half to, to go up, uh, go up by 10, I think. And, um, they got the ball back really quick. And the first play was like a 30 yard pass downfield. And I was like, whoa, who's this guy coaching? You know, it's like, it's all this, it's like he's kind of realized like, well, he was exploiting. Yeah. I'm, they had a mismatch and they just took advantage. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It was fun to watch. It was, I, I think it was fun to watch for a lot of people who are not Chiefs fans. I, I, you know, feel bad for Texans fans because that had to be like the, the swing of emotions the other way. Um, you know, Devastate. just, just like what is wrong with our team? Like it didn't even look like the same team. On either side after the first quarter. Yeah, no, it didn't. It, it, it had to have been devastating, but you're right. I mean, 24 nothing is, yeah, you're spotting the team 24 points is what it feels like. And, and there was part of me that thought, okay, here we go with Casey and Andy Reid again. Like if they would have lost that game, everything would have been on Andy Reid is another sure. disappointing playoff loss. They were one and seven in their last eight games at Arrowhead in the playoffs, but I mean, they ran out of fireworks. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. They, I will say this: their next, you know, their next game. Obviously, they play Tennessee. If they start the same way against Tennessee, they will get beat because they will have to then stop Derrick Henry the whole rest of the game. They can't let the Titans get up big on them because it will be the Derrick Henry show after that, and that's not a, a matchup the Chiefs want. Even if Chris Jones is back, hopefully he'll be back this week. But yeah, that's huge. Um, you know, if if they have to, if they put themselves in a position where they're having to stop Derrick Henry. Over and over and over again for the for a half of a game. At some point, he's going to bust something long because he just wears everybody down. That's like they need to get out early and make Ryan Tannehill be the one to beat him. Well, let's transition over to that game. I mean, another shout out to Mahomes, just the first player in NFL history, 300 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, five TDs in a playoff game. He had four in the one quarter, which tied an NFL record as well. So impressive stuff. But let's transition to that Tennessee and Baltimore game because as surprising as it was for the Chiefs to come back. You alluded to it. I mean, 30 points. They had the highest team applied total of the weekend at 30 points. So even still, with Houston off to that great start in 24, you always felt like KC. At least I felt like KC was going to put up points. They were going to figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, man. It was just ugly at first with all of those drops. In the mi- and Tyree Kill. Yeah. I mean, they Tyree Kill was a guy who we've seen him before take punt returns, but he hadn't done that all year, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. He only did it a couple times, and they put him back there, and then he drops it. It's yeah, like, he, they, they do it. They do it sometimes when they feel like they need a spark. And the problem in that one, that was a great punt. It was a high hang time down to the inside the 10 yard line. He needed a fair catch that ball. Yeah. yeah, That's just the time when he was trying to do too much. And, and, you know, then he got, he heard footsteps and it was just a, you know, bad combination on special teams. But I think they realized like, yeah, Tyreek Hill can give you a spark, but so can McCole Harmon. Like there's no reason to put Tyreek Hill back there anymore um, because it's, it's, it's just something he's not as comfortable with when he was doing it every every single drive before. Yeah, okay. So, again, impressive, surprising for some. But this one here, Tennessee and Baltimore, I mean, you have to – you'd be lying if you said you weren't surprised with the outcome. And we talked – Yeah, no, we, no we, question. Nobody. We, we painted a script. We even – when three of us sat on the show and we said that Baltimore, that we liked the Ravens, we even still painted a script. I think I painted this exact game script to Michael Beller on Best on the Board. Well, what if, because Baltimore hadn't played their starters since week 16, week 17, the rest, the bye week, what if they start slow? What if they start sluggish and there's a turnover in the first drive? And Tennessee puts on one of those drives where they take 10 minutes off the clock and all of a sudden they're down in the game. Are they built to come back? Because you're right. They're not built to come back the same way that KC and if Tennessee does come up, does start this week against KC with a big lead, I don't think it's going to go the same way. And also, 
just looking into it because it was just I had a little bit of a remember of a couple of years ago when the Chiefs and Titans played in the playoffs. But I was just looking at the last three games that Casey mm-hmm. has lost the last three games to Tennessee. Henry has five touchdowns over that span, and over his last two games against KC, he's got 344 yards on the ground and two scores earlier this year, 22 for 188. I don't want to get too much into game script or predictions and stuff. We'll, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about that, but let's just for now focus on this Titans and Ravens game. This this was there's so many things here to to kind of unravel. Henry is obviously the big focal point of everything, and he's phenomenal again. But a couple surprising things for me is. You know, just the little things, Brad. Like the Ravens, they were eight for eight on fourth and one plays in the season. The Titans stuffed them twice in on big plays. It was yeah. just like really strange to see. I gotta give the Titans a lot of credit in this game. What did what did you take away from it? Yeah, no question. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, they they feel like when you when you sneak into the playoffs on the you know the basically the last week of the season, um, they had to win, and and you're the sixth seed, and you just feel like ah, I got. I got nothing, you know, you're playing, kind of playing with house money. Yeah. Um, I think Jake, Jake even said that to D'Angelo Williams on Twitter and D'Angelo said like, there's no money in the world like house money because you, you just feel no pressure. And that's the way they're playing right now. They're not throwing the ball at all or they haven't, and they haven't had to. They've controlled the game w- with Derrick Henry. And I don't like, you got to think at some point this, this volume of carries the last three weeks is going to take its toll because well, he's that's what he keeps paying, but I don't know. He's just a free. I mean, it, and it may not, it may not happen this year, yeah. but I would, I would at some point, like the cumulative effect, even if it's next year or whatever, like we, we talked about it when, uh, you know, when we were discussing, you know, kind of our, our mock draft going in next yeah, year, it's, yes. it makes you nervous with Henry a little bit because of this volume he's getting. But that being said, the, they got somehow the Ravens got out of their game plan because Lamar Jackson threw the ball, what did he throw, 59 times? Like, yeah, that's, that's that's not their game plan. No. That's that's And it doesn't matter if you're behind a little bit. They were behind – I went to the Chiefs-Ravens game. It was the Chiefs home opener this year. And it was before the Ravens were, were really the Ravens. But Lamar had had a couple first really, you know, really good first two games of the year. And the Chiefs – so the Baltimore was up 6 nothing after the first quarter. The Chiefs scored 23 points in the second quarter and were up 23-6 at half. And in the second half – the Ravens didn't throw the ball. It was Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, running the ball. They stayed in their game plan, and they got back into that game where with two minutes left, they scored a touchdown that if they would have got the two-point conversion, they would have been down by three points. It would have been 33-30. of 30. Um, they, they missed the two-point conversion, so um, it ended up 33-28 as the final. But it, it changed – like they, they got back in that game by controlling the clock – by running the ball, and it was like they, for whatever reason, they got out of that and started throwing the ball like crazy all the time. Even, I mean, he had way more dropbacks than 59-2 because he scrambled several times after dropping back. It was like they they had called like almost 70 pass plays, and that's just not the Ravens. I I thought whoever, whether it's Harbaugh or whoever their offensive coordinator is, they, they got out of their game plan. And that's the biggest thing that I think they still had a chance to come back if they would have just stuck to it. And granted, Mark Ingram was not healthy. Like you could tell, like he was getting his calf massage on the side, but Gus Edwards in the first quarter broke off a big run and they basically just that was stopped it. using him. He had one for yeah, 19 they, and finished with three for 20. They stopped. Yeah. Him. They just stopped using him. Justice Hill had a couple big catches out of the, the backfield, four catches, 26 yards. Where's the volume for the running backs? Like, there's no way Marquise Brown should be getting 11 targets, Miles Boykin seven, 
Mark Andrews seven, that's fine. Like that's probably your best receiver. Yeah. But Hayden Hurst had six targets. Um, Willie Sneed had eight targets. Seth Roberts had four targets. Those are not the strengths of your team. Those are guys who might make a third down play for you here and there. But that's you. You shouldn't be using them on every single play. And I think they just felt like they got behind. They had to start passing, and and it was a big mistake. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a big mistake too. I mean, you, obviously you got to give the Titans a lot of credit. I mean, they couldn't stop Derrick Henry, but yeah, it seemed like they panicked. And and I was watching um they were, my buddy's birthday was on Saturday, so we were out to to watch the game and I you know, it was with some some bright football minds. And we just kept saying to each other in the first half like is like why is Seth Roberts getting all these targets? Like, it just kept, like I hadn't seen it all year, right? And it just seemed like Seth Roberts. Everything was Seth Roberts early on in the game it was really strange, um, but really just again no answer for Derrick Henry. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's gonna break down at some point. You're you're probably right. This dude has 96 carries in his last year game for 588 yards. Yeah, and and, and like Earl Thomas chirped him before the game. Oh well, guys just don't want to tackle him. You know, all I saw from that game play against uh, the Patriots, this guy just didn't want to tackle him. <laughs> Did you see the play where he just like brushed Henry off to the or Thomas off to the side? Like, yeah, Earl Thomas, Earl yeah, Thomas just like shoved him, him and like, then he shoved him again. Way. You, don't and, tackle? Yeah. Like, you don't want to tackle? Him? Yeah, he shoved him again. So super impressed by the Titans and what they've been able to do. And Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he hasn't had to do much in these two games. Seven for 14, 88 yards. He had fewer than 80 yards against the Pats. But, I mean, again, he doesn't have to throw the ball so much when you got a back like Henry. Uh, he had the two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. And Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass. Like, yeah, yeah, that was – with them. Yeah, it was – that was a great play. That's that's actually – it looked like a play out of the Chiefs playbook. It did, um, from because, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, Don Tari yeah, Poe did right. with their nose tackle. Yeah. And – but it was – yeah, it was just just the, the concept of – it makes you wonder what in the world were, were the Titans doing early in the season where Henry had 19 carries, 15 carries, 17 carries. You know what it was, you know, Lost to Denver, 15 Mario. carries. It was Mario. It, Fair, because but when because when 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 Mariota was on the field and Henry was on the field, they just they show they showed their true colors. They really did. It's yeah. been like this for a couple of years. Teams stacked the box. You just knew, okay, you're probably going to run. The play action wasn't there because Mariota couldn't do anything. And Tannehill yeah. comes in and now he can throw the ball downfield. He's accurate. He can throw on the run. He's hooked up with AJ Brown numerous times. We know all that. That's what I think it is. It's it's just the it may be so. And I, I wonder, Mariota. I wonder how much of it is Tannehill checking at the line and saying, look, like. Okay, they've called a pass play here, but you all feel like, you know, get in the huddle and be like, hey, Lyman, you all feel like being aggressive instead of backing up. How about you go forward this time and, and it's, you know, let's, let's, let's be aggressive and attack these guys. And I don't know. It's, you know, at this point, you, you, I put eight in the box and say, make Tannehill beat me. Absolutely. And, and because it's, it's going to take most of the time, it's going to take more than one person to bring Derrick Henry down. And that's fine. Make, like, you know, from a Chiefs perspective, their cornerbacks have played great in the second half. Let's, let's let him match up. Corey Davis didn't scare me a bit. Let's, let's, you know, let's match up, you know, put a little guy over the top of AJ Brown, but like, who else is there? Tajay Sharp, Jonu Smith. Like, none of these guys really scare me right now. It's Derrick Henry is the only guy that you like. I'm going to make someone else beat me because he right now is the only reason they are winning these games. I had to imagine that was Baltimore's game plan. <laughs> like, just, like, let's just stop Derrick Henry. It's amazing. Henry, um, more rushing yards after contact. This is from ESPN Stats and Info. I saw this one this morning. It was pretty amazed. More rushing yards after contact in the postseason, 233, than Ryan Tannehill has passing yards 
106 oh, in games. This is unbelievable. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson for a second, though, because you're right. He threw the ball a ton, 59 times, 31 for 59. The numbers at the end of the day look great. 365 yards. I mean, two picks, fine. One touchdown. He has 143 on the ground on, on 20 carries. So, like, from a fantasy standpoint, great. The numbers, I suppose, at the end of the day, all, like, the, the basically 500 total yards, like, that's all great. But all anybody's ever going to say is that and, – and I'm sure you heard it. I had friends texting me, told you Lamar Jackson sucks at quarterback. Yeah. Eric Henry's a better quarterback. That's all anybody's ever going to say in the offseason. We had the conversation before the season started that he wasn't a real quarterback and he was like a running back. He has a great fantasy performance, has a great – not just fantasy. He had a great season. He really did. He was throwing touchdowns. He had multiple games with five touchdowns. He finishes the season with, what, 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. It was a phenomenal season from him, but now it's two, I suppose, disappointing playoff games. This one in particular, pretty disappointing. What what do you make of him going forward? Will he learn from this, or is he just going to be a quarterback that maybe can't come back from behind like this? Like, to example, the Chiefs. Like, they're not built like that. What, what do you make of Lamar here from this playoff game? What, what's your big takeaway from him? I, I'm not, I'm not deterred at all. I, I go back to the, the offensive coordinator and, and basically forcing him to do something that's not his strength. His strength is, is running the ball and kind of managing the offense and throwing the ball occasionally, like being an efficient thrower, but you're not going to be an efficient thrower. No one's going to be an efficient thrower when you're dropping back 67 times in a game. It's, it's just that you have to take chances in that game. So the two picks, like one of them was early. Um, it, it was deflected. It, was deflected. it went off of Mark Andrews' yeah, hands. It was a bit right? of a yeah, high so, pass, but it was deflected. Yeah. Right. And so like, but I mean, fine. He made, you know, a, a bad throw and maybe there was a few other bad throws. I don't know, but it just in general, like you, you tried to turn him into Patrick Mahomes basically. And they're not the same guy. I, if, if, if if I sit back and watch this game on film as a Ravens coach, Ravens coordinator, I'm frustrated because it's like, what were we doing? What were we thinking at this point when they – it's not like they were down by 40 points. Like, they were down 14-6 to six at half. Tennessee came out and scored a little bit. But they – like, the fact that it was 14-6 to six at half and they only had just a handful of rushing attempts in the first half, what are you doing? And then they're – their calls on fourth down, they went for fourth down multiple times, and their calls on fourth down every time were like shotgun snap, run it, run Jackson straight up into the line. Like it's not creative at all. Get him on an option. Get him out wide where he's got space to make guys move and not try and like he's not a guy who's going to run over a nose tackle. Like that's that's not his game. I, I just I don't know. I I feel fine with him. I feel like the coaches need a lot more self-examination as to, you know, how do we let this get away from us because – it was like after their initial script of 15 plays or whatever, they just threw away the running the running game and and I don't know. It's it made Marquise Brown look good for for a week, but it you know at the same time that that's the kind of game he's going to have occasionally. He's he's a Deshaun Jackson light right now, and yeah. and he might have a big blow up game, especially when he's got 11 targets on on his way. Can you believe it's conference championship week? Titans, Chiefs. 49ers and Packers. Time's up for two of the teams playing this weekend, but you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under their salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at over $750,000 
with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter code RUN during sign-up, and you'll also get a free shot at over 750000 with your first deposit. That's code RUN, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Let's move over to the NFC. Uh, let, let's start with, we'll do the Niners and the, and the Vikings. This was probably actually the, the least exciting game of the, of the bunch for me. I just, I thought Minnesota would keep this game a little bit closer. I mean, when Kirk Cousins made that pass to Stefan Diggs, I was like, okay, here we go. But other than that, it was just, uh, it just seemed like a, this game was never really in reach for Minnesota to come back and, and make it competitive. I don't know. Did you get a different feel? No, that, that's, that's the way it felt the whole game, man. Yeah. And Dal- they couldn't get Dalvin Cook going at all. At like all. he, Nothing. Six, nine ca- for six catches for, yeah, nine for 18 and six catches for eight yards. Like it was, they, they, they were trying to run screen passes and get him in space and the 49ers were all over it. And it, it just felt like the, the Vikings, the Vikings have like a Madden playbook where there's no trick plays involved and nothing to kind of shake up the defense a little bit. It's, this is what we are and we're going to, Try to, try to beat you doing our best. And they have no, no adjustments to make whenever things aren't going their way. And, um, and maybe that's because Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. Like he's, he's kind of a vanilla quarterback a little bit where yeah. there's, there's not a, there's not a lot of flash to his game. He's a good quarterback, a good thrower of the ball. He can't run. He can't, um, he can't, you know, extend plays, doesn't make anything happen. And, and that's, I mean, that's how you end up with, uh, with a guy taking six sacks in a, in a game where he only had like 34, 36 dropbacks. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't an impressive performance from him at all. Uh, Jake had texted me this morning. He said, I'm sure you guys are going to talk about it. And he just, he got burned by Mostart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and it's, is I mean, Mostert, I guess, was sick all week, and I felt like that was kind of underreported because they he ended up having leaving with cramps in the fourth quarter because he's dehydrated from being sick all week. Yeah, and that left Kevin Coleman. You know, Coleman number one was running well, but number he was, two, he well, yeah. He, yeah, he's he's fresh. He hadn't you know hadn't gotten a ton of carries in the second half, and I think they just kind of knew going into the game. Let's let's try to preserve some strength for Mostert going forward. I still think Mostert is the play in in week twenty here in the in the championship round because I think a lot of people will pivot to Tevin Coleman and, and be like, Oh, Coleman's the guy. Well, most still had 12 carries for 58 yards. Like it's yes, it wasn't this big game. He didn't get the touchdowns, but I think there's a reason for that. And I think going, going back to this, this next week against the, the Green Bay Packers, I think they go back to Mostert a little bit and that's the guy that I want in my lineups. And I, and I will have him in all my lineups um, th- this week because I think he's going to be pretty under owned. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. I mean, and especially in DFS when it, recency bias is such a thing and they you go back and forth, you want to be a little bit different. You know, Thielen was more owned than Diggs. DK Metcalf was more owned than Lockie. We'll get to that game in a little bit, but, uh, these things, you know, they change on a dime on a week to week basis. Uh, but San Fran just, they just ran the ball. I mean, 22 uh, attempts for Coleman, 12 for Mostar, eight for Brita. And you just look at the end of the day. And if I would have told you that Samuel and Bourne and Sanders and Kittle would not, neither of them, any of those those guys would have more than three catches and more than 42 yards. You'd be like, uh-oh, 
did they struggle? Like, did they struggle yeah. offensively to score points and put up points on the board? And they just controlled the game with, with the run game and, and Kyle Shanahan moves on and he's going to face his former buddy, Matt LaFleur, as the Packers move on as well. 28 to 23. This, I had the feeling of this one too, that it wasn't over. You know, 21 to three at halftime. I still thought to myself, this is, this is not over yet. Russell Wilson is capability of coming back. It's going to come down to the final play, whoever has the ball last. And it kind of did to the fact where Aaron Rodgers made a nice throw to Devontae Adams. But, you know, these th- we talked about these two guys heading into this game on this show last week, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Seattle just didn't have an answer for either of those guys, Brad. Yeah, they they didn't. Aaron Aaron Jones, they actually contained Aaron Jones pretty well. He, he, he got the two touchdowns, but 21 carries, 62 yards, you know, one catch, four yards. It wasn't like he just crushed them. Adams was the guy that, like, when they needed a big play – Rodgers looked nowhere else and, and they hadn't, they couldn't stop him. And I don't know, like everybody else on the team had Geronimo Isles on one target, Aaron Jones, two targets, Jay Sternberger, one target, MBS, one target, Jamal Williams, one target, Jimmy Graham had four. Um, most of those were, you know, he had three for 49 and he had that big first down catch at the end of the, the game that, you know, was somewhat controversial, but I, I, I think they that got it right. Yeah. You think they got it right? Yeah, I do. He he was laying on top of the the defender. Because the so yellow line is not official, right? It's not official. Right. Yellow line. When they start talking about additional footage, I was like, what 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 are they talking about here? I guess it was another camera angle that they had. To me, I thought he was a little short, but it's just hard to overturn once you make that play. Once you make that call, it's just it's hard to find enough evidence to overturn it. Yeah, but it you know go back to the their you know everybody else on the team had what six seven eight nine ten targets. Devonte Adams had eleven. Like he had more targets than the whole rest of the team combined, and Seattle still couldn't stop him at the end. Like that, I mean, what do you think they're trying to do? Or, or you know, and, and Lazard Lazard got hurt, right? Like he yeah. might as a concussion or something like that. I don't I don't know, but he like he was gone, and so at that point, it's like. Put two guys on Devontae Adams and make someone else beat you. Like, is MVS going to beat you? Is Geronimo Allison going to beat you? Is Jimmy Graham going to beat you? And, like, no. Put two guys on Adams. Don't let him catch the ball. And then see if they can move the ball. And they didn't do it. They And he was just – I don't know. He he looked like – it reminded me so much of Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, where it's like, you know what? We've got a guy that they can't guard, and they're not going to double-team him, so we're just going to keep throwing the ball to him. And that's what happened, and he burned him like crazy. And – um, I, I, the Seahawks defense was disappointing all year. Um, they, it's so frustrating watching this team because they, they, if they turn Russell Wilson loose a little bit and let him, I know he threw 31 times in this game, but he doesn't get 30 attempts very often. And it, it's, it, and it was, he was coming from behind. Like you said, it was 21 to three at half. They, they didn't have a running game. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is not scaring anybody anymore, even though he had the two goal line touchdowns. You know, Travis Homer's too small to be a, a big back. And I realized, like, when they get Rashad Penny back and Chris Carson back, this offense is different. But if that's the scenario you're in, let Russell Wilson throw the ball 50 times. Like, if they let Lamar Jackson do it, why not let Russell Wilson do it, who's way more efficient, you know, just as effective on the ground. He can he can scramble with the best of them. I want, you know, and and they have they don't have the, the best receiving core, but Lockett and Metcalf are studs. Yes. And so you at least got two guys out there that are, that are tough and David Moore can be decent. Like there's other guys there who can be decent. Give your, you know, this is an MVP candidate. Give him a shot to, to win the game for you. And it just, it's like, what, you know, why are you being so conservative and trying to control the clock? And I don't know. I, I wish Brian Schottheimer would be out of Seattle because I, I wish they'd get a guy in there who would, 
not be afraid to run a spread offense, draft another receiver out of this amazing receiving class coming out of college right now and, and get him another weapon. You know, like they tried to do with Josh Gordon. They tried to give him a guy mid season yeah. and, you know, Gordon just, just isn't the way he was in, you know, in, in 2013 or whatever year that was. And, and, but, but give this guy, you've got a chance now you're spending, you've got a franchise quarterback in his prime, give him weapons around him and don't, don't force the running game to be the reason that, that you're controlling and winning games. Well, that's, this is what I said last week. Again, I would go back to best on the board with Beller and myself was that it was such a tough matchup to run against the Eagles and how stubborn would Seattle be in Schottenheimer? Would they continue just to run the football, even though you can pass on Philly? The way to beat Philly is to pass and attack their secondary. And they decided to do it at times. Um, but for the most part, they were still running into walls. And yesterday as well, there was there was a drive where they went, was it three straight runs with Lynch? It was a th- yeah. three and out. And he <laughs> yeah. ran into the three wall. Three and out, and they ran, it was like five yards each time, or total, what? five like, yards total. What are you guys doing here? Yeah, I know. Like, let Russell Wilson do his thing and throw the football with these two solid wideouts and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and let him move up and down the field. And, again, you didn't see it until the second half, and then – in the second half, they couldn't stop them, <laughs> right? It's just yeah, it's, it was... it's super confusing. And you think, okay, fine, they're stubborn. They want to run the football. Nobody is. Nobody ran. I think only Baltimore ran the football more than them last year. And this year again, they were a top rushing team. But when you lose Chris Carson, you lose Rashad Penny, you lose CJ Procise, you're bringing off Homer and Lynch back from retirement. You you have to change your game plan a little bit. So I I'm in total agreement with you. I thought he should have thrown the ball uh, a little bit more. And at the end of the day, I mean, 21 for 31. You're right. He doesn't throw the ball 31 times too often, and he was using his legs. And uh, the past couple games, he had over 100 yards on the ground. He was extending drives, third down drives, just from his legs alone. And yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. It's I I, I agree. It's, it's one thing too, like a little bit when they had the Legion of Boom and were just it's a completely do dominant yeah. defense. Yeah, you can at that point you yeah. can try to control the clock, knowing the other team cannot move the ball on you. Mm-hmm. That's not the case this year. Their defense was, was struggling most of the year. And they, you know, they're, I don't know. It just, their offensive line wasn't healthy at the end of the year. And they still tried to slam it in there with a guy who hadn't played football in a year. And they, it just, it was just a, I don't know, really bizarre. Like, just like the, the, the Ravens got away from the run game. The Seattle wouldn't pass the ball enough and they did it all year. They've done it for four years with, with Russell Wilson. Like he's, he has a chance to be an MVP if you turn him loose and they haven't done it in a long time. No, they haven't. No, you're right. They haven't done it in a long time. And I'm sure he wanted to throw the, the football a little bit more. So Devontae Adams is back to him for a second because he's just been, man, he's been so good. Uh, his last few games, I mean, his last nine games since returning from injuries, over 100 targets, 66 grabs, 779 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, I was just doing the math over like a per-game basis on what he would end up with targets. 181, and Michael Thomas led the league with 185. I feel like he's going to – maybe he won't be a steal in drafts next year because of he's just come on so strong. But the fact that he missed all of those games is still 997 yards and 83 grabs. He could potentially be that second-round steal in drafts next year, don't you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he falls to the second no. round. Um, at the same, at the same time, he should be the second wide receiver off the board, should in my be. opinion. I agree, yeah. Yeah. That, with the, with the target volume there, they, I mean, they have to go get another receiver opposite him oh, yeah, this no, year. No question. But that, but that, I don't think it takes away from, especially in the red zone. He is such a dominant weapon in the red zone, but he's, 
he can get open in space too. And he's, he's not, most of Michael Thomas's targets are, are inside of 10 yards. And, you know, they're, he, you know, it's around 10 yards per catch. Adams is a guy they throw the ball down the field on, they're down the field with, and he can be just a, you know, he can be such a weapon. And I mean, he missed a bunch of games this year and still had 997 yards. Mean, yeah. Like it's, it's like he, and that's, and that may, yeah, it was, it's, you know, like I said, he missed what, four, five games? He missed five games this year and, and basically had a thousand yards receiving and five touchdowns. And Extremely it's just, impressive. <laughs> yeah, like he, he should be the number two receiver off the board behind Michael Thomas. Uh, if you, if you want to say Chris Godwin, I'm fine with that. Um, but, but outside of those, you know, he's got to be a top three. You can't, there's no one else you can put in there that, that would even become close. And that I think he's still a first rounder, but you still might be getting a steal late in the first round because he could very easily be better than Michael Thomas next year. Yeah, e- I agree easily. So I, I think what, what he, I mean, if the Packers struggle offensively and Adams is not really a factor, I, I think people are talking about him as the fourth or fifth wide out foolishly. Um, but I, yeah, we're in agreement. Uh, I, I hope everybody, I agree. I hope everybody is. Yeah, I will have him everywhere if I can get him in the second round. Yeah. Uh, cause he's just been so darn good this season, even despite not getting any touchdowns in the first few games, but you're right. Missing a ton of time with the, with the toe injury. Okay. So that'll do it. We'll get, we'll get out of here. We'll talk more about the games this week, but both. Both rematches, right? San Fran blew out Green Bay earlier this season, 37 to 8. We already have lines. Both home teams are favored by a touchdown. I believe we have the Chiefs at 7.5 against the Titans and over under at 52. And then the Packers, seven point, or the seven point dogs rather in San Fran, uh, the total at 45 as well. Any final words from you? Any more Chiefs? No, I, I can't wait for this weekend because we got, we got three of the four, you know, top, top two seeds. So, um, and Tennessee's playing as good as anybody right now. The, basically, the only reason they're not seated higher is because they had Mariota at quarterback for six weeks. So Would it be one of the craziest it, sports stories of all time if the Titans won the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, no of, question. Of because time. and and Ryan, can you imagine the contract Ryan Tannehill is going to get in the offseason? Like even getting them to the the Commerce Championship, it's it's he's completely changed his team and and has made Derrick Henry basically I I think better than he is. I'm not saying he's not a athletic freak and. But but because they actually had a threat in the passing game, it made Derrick Henry better, and now they can just wear teams down with him. And in the second half, he's busting these 40, 50-yard runs because they have to respect the pass, which they didn't have to the last three years. Yeah, exactly. All right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Uh, I can't wait to see both games because, like I said, Tennessee, even though it is like, oh, the Titans, 9-7, and seven, they, a lot of people still not believing in the Titans and what Ryan Tannehill has been doing, but – They've been impressive ever since he's taken over, and the fact that they went into New England and beat Tom Brady in the Pats. They went into Baltimore, and they beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is pretty impressive stuff. All right, Brad, uh, we'll talk again on Wednesday at Brad Ziegler, myself at Chris Meany. All in kid, but you already know, as Jake says, you already know my Twitter handle. You already follow him. Good luck to Jake. Hopefully he takes down some awards. We're talking about it on Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys next Mm-hmm.